Hello and welcome to The Green Hornet from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. Say, want a brand new breakfast idea? Then get the Betty Crocker cereal tray, the Betty Crocker cereal tray. Yes, indeed. Try the brand new cereal assortment with ten individual packages in all. Four Wheaties, four Cheerios, two Kicks. All top favorites and all extra fresh. Yes, it's fun to take your pick from Wheaties, Cheerios, and Kicks. Get the Betty Crocker cereal tray, the Betty Crocker cereal tray. Get that tray today. And now, the Betty Crocker Cereal Tray presents... The Green Hornet. He hunts the biggest of all game. Public enemies who try to destroy our America. With his faithful valet Cato... Brett Reed, daring young publisher, matches wits with the underworld, risking his life at criminals and racketeers within the law, may feel its weight by the sting of the Green Hornet. Ride with Brett Reed in the thrilling adventure of The Plan That Backfired. Boys and girls, our government is asking every one of us not to waste food. So eat up everything your mom puts on the table. And be doubly sure you eat every single bite of important body-nourishing foods, such as milk, fruit, and cereals, like the three wholesome top favorites you get in the Betty Crocker cereal tray, Wheaties, Cheerios, and Kicks. All three of these Betty Crocker cereal tray favorites are mighty nourishing, mighty good. Ten individual-sized packages in all. Each holds just enough for one generous serving of Wheaties, Cheerios, or Kicks. Get the Betty Crocker cereal tray today. Brett Reed had spent the morning in the company of his father, talking to attorneys in connection with a scandalous congressional hearing that had been front-page news for several days. It was nearly noon when he reached his office. Mr. Reed, I am glad to see you. More so than usual in this case? Well, I felt as if I were in solitary confinement for the past hour. It's strange to be in this office alone. Strange? Yes, I've gotten used to a crowd. Oh, you mean Axford and Miss Travis. I'm used to Axford. (laughs) I see. Oh, where is everyone? Well, Axford's gone over to police headquarters, and Glamour puts that. I, I mean, Miss Travis went to see Little Miss Moffat. Little Miss Moffat? <laughs> it's the truth, so help me. That's her name. She telephoned for you, but Miss Travis talked to her. Very well. Um, Miss Case, will you call the morgue and have them send down the file on that firm of attorneys, Gramercy, Fletcher, and Thorndike? Oh, I have it right here. Oh. Uh, yes, here you are. Miss Travis sent for it before she went out. Well, what did Miss Travis want this for? I don't know. She sent for the file when she finished talking to the character. She spent an hour studying the clippings and making notes, and then she left. Said she was going to sit on Miss Moffat's carpet. <laughs> I wonder what Miss Moffat said about Gramercy, Fletcher, and Thorndike. Well, we ran a lot of articles about them during that congressional hearing. Yes, Dad and I were talking about them this morning. 
Um, Miss Case, will you skim through these clippings and give me a quick rundown? Well, Miss Travis has already summarized them. I think she left her notes right here someplace. She never puts anything away. Uh, yes, yes, here they are. I guess I'd better read them to you. Her writing is, well, it's almost illegible. Oh, just give me the highlights. <laughs> uh, during the war, Messrs. Gramercy, Fletcher, and Thorndike played fast and loose. They organized a couple of companies, dummy corporations. There was collusion between them and a few brass hats who were in position to hand out war contracts. It was a gravy train while it lasted, but it didn't last. Uncle Sam got soaked hard, but instead of turning the other cheek, he called the three bad boys to Washington to answer a few questions. Apparently, they didn't have the right answers. There were no right answers. According to what I heard this morning, there's not much the law can do to them. They took an awful swift kick in the bankroll. They should be in jail. They won't be. Oh, I'm afraid not. Well, at least they're broke. They had to pay out a lot of cash. And their reputations are shot. Hey, Kathy! Don't slam it, you... There I go again. Oh, hello, Reed. I'm glad you're here. Chuckling snakes, I just come from the cops' headquarters. And what do you think? Axford, you're excited. That I am. And who wouldn't be with the commissioner of police talking nonsense? Nonsense? Reed, he called a number of the plainclothesmen and captains into his office. I sort of horned in on the meeting. Yes? He got to talking about the Green Hornet, saying that he'd been going over the record and all the charges against the Hornet had been cleared up. That's right. He told the lads that if they saw the Hornet, they weren't to start shooting. The Hornet's not wanted anymore, dead or alive. Well, that's why the Daily Sentinel withdrew the reward for his capture. Ah, fooey. I still say the Hornet's a crook. I've been running down clues ever since I joined up with this newspaper. And by golly, I'm going to get the green hearted if it's the last thing I do. What's more, I'm going to prove he's done a lot of things the cops don't know about. <laughs> oh, you're hard to convince, Michael. You bet I am. <laughs> I, uh... oh, oh, it's Miss Travis. Hello, Mr. Axford. Oh, Miss Reed, I'm glad you're here. I brought Miss Moffat. Uh, this is Miss Moffat. That's right, young man. Matilda Moffat. Miss Case, Miss Moffat. Oh, how, how do you do, do Miss And Moffitt. Mr. Axford. Sure, it's glad I am to know you, Miss Moffat. How do you do? Mr. Reed, Miss Moffat telephoned a little while ago. She's a client of Gramercy, Fletcher, and Thorndike. Indeed. Mr. Reed, I've been a Sentinel subscriber for many years. I wanted to talk to you because I like your style. Well, thank you. Yes, sir. I like what you said about Gramercy, Fletcher, and Thorndike. You called a spade a spade and a crook a crook. After I talked to Miss Moffat, Mr. Reed, I thought I'd better bring her here. Those crooks are trying to murder me. Holy crow. She's not fooling, Mr. Reed. You mean Gramercy, Fletcher? I do. You see, my father died a good many years ago and left me a tidy sum of money. The estate was in the hands of Mr. Gramercy. The father of the present Mr. Gramercy. That's right. The old man was honest, but this son of his... I never did like him. Got a face like a ferret. I wasn't surprised when I read about the shady dealings that law firm was in. I didn't want anything more to do with them. So I asked for an accounting of my money. Oh, did you get it? Not yet. They've done nothing but hedge and stall. They may have appropriated some of Miss Moffat's funds to pay up on that war profits deal. That's how I sized it up. I let them know a week ago that I wouldn't shilly-shally any longer. Told them I'd have an accounting by the first of the month or know the reason why. Uh, you said something about murder. The day after I made my ultimatum, 
I was nearly run down by a car. Oh, that could have been an accident. Huh. It could have been an accident. Likewise, it could have been an accident that my furnace gave off poisonous gas just after a man from the furnace company came to check it. Mr. Reed, that man was an imposter. The furnace company did not send a man. I'd have died in my sleep if my dog hadn't roused me. By golly, maybe you've got something. There were several other things, Mr. Reed, including an attempt to poison her food. Incidents that might have proved fatal to Miss Moffat. Coincidence can only go so far, I always say. Well, this is a matter for the police. They'll send a man to guard you. I'm going to talk to the police, and I'm going to hire a couple of guards. But I wanted you to have this story just in case something happened. Oh, I see. Uh, Miss Travers here has offered to stay in the house with me until things are straightened out. Well, with Miss Travers and police guards, you should be well guarded. If Gramercy, Fletcher, and Thorndyke can't settle up, there'll be a story, Mr. Reed. There will be. And I'll be interested in getting the facts. Yes, I... I thought you might be. When's the deadline? I told Gramercy I'd wait until the first of the month for an accounting of my money. If I don't get it, those shysters will find I can be just as tough as that committee in Washington. Maybe you can send them to jail. In which case, you'd be even tougher. Britt Reed knew why Linda Travis had brought the little old lady to his office. As one who knew that the young publisher was the Green Hornet, Linda felt that Miss Moffat's situation might prove to be a means of putting the unscrupulous attorneys in jail. It was several days later when Gramercy sat in Fletcher's office discussing the firm's problem. We're in a jam, Fletcher, a real jam. We've got to get $100,000 to settle with that old lady. Yes, and within one week. One week. Confounded, why couldn't something have happened to her? We tried hard enough. No use trying anything else with her. I came to your office because I have an idea. Let's hear it. We have partnership insurance. If one of us dies, the surviving members would get $100,000 with which to buy his interest in his widow. Go on, Gramercy. There's double indemnity on that policy. Accidental death pays $200,000. Which would mean we could not only buy Thorndyke's interest, we'd have 100000 to settle with Miss Moffat. Would the insurance be paid in time to settle with her? The death of a partner would justify postponing all action until we could readjust things. Do you have a plan worked out? I have, and it's foolproof. Tomorrow evening, we'll take Thorndyke out on a little party, just the three of us. We'll go over to that roadhouse near Barnesville, and on the way home, we'll stop at a roadside stand on Windy Hill. We'll have to time it carefully. Mm. There's a train that goes past there at 1 o'clock in the morning. Go over it step by step, Gramercy. All right. Now, listen. Here's just the way I have things worked out. We'll have a big evening with lots of food and plenty of drinks. On the following night, the fast express was right on schedule as it approached the crossing at the foot of a hill between the city and the town of Barnesville. Fletcher and Gramercy were on schedule, too, with their partner Thorndyke. They were on their way home from a roadhouse dinner, during which they consumed considerable liquor. Seated between the murder plotters, Thorndyke was asleep, 
when Fletcher brought his car to a stop near a roadside stand on the hilltop. Thorndike. Thorndike, you asleep? Yes, he is. He should be asleep after that last drink you fixed for him. All right, Fletcher, let's get out of the car. You get out first. You've got to put a block in front of the wheel. I have it. Is anyone watching us from that hot dog stand? No. Let me know when the block's in place, and I'll release the emergency brake. All set. Be sure the wheels are straight. They are. Is right on schedule. And <laughs> we're in luck. Let's get over to that stand. Just a second. I've got to straighten out the cord to pull the block away. There we are. Let's go. <laughs> Too bad Thorndike fell asleep. He'd enjoy a hot dog. Yes, he certainly would. Pull the block out. Thorndike never could stay awake after a few drinks. Car's starting to roll. It should pile right into the train. Yeah, what would it be, mister? A couple of hot dogs with plenty of mustard. And be sure they're well done. Sure. Hey, your cars are rolling down the hill. What? Fletcher. Fletcher, look, your car. Oh, uh, that confounded emergency brake. I keep forgetting to have it fixed. It's getting away. Thorndike. Thorndike. Wake up. Wake up, Thorndike. What? The train. The train's coming. That guy in the car, he'll be killed. Hey, wake up. Wake up, mister. Wake up. What's the matter? We got away with murder. We'll continue our story in just a moment. Say, here's a way to have double fun. I mean eating fun plus model building fun. Just get the Betty Crocker cereal tray and you'll see what I mean. First comes the eating fun, because each Betty Crocker cereal tray has ten separate individual boxes of those three swell-tasting top favorite cereals, Wheaties, Cheerios, and Kicks. Each box holds just enough for one good serving, so everyone chooses just what he wants each morning. This makes breakfast a lot more fun. Now, here's where the double fun comes in. Each of the ten separate boxes of Wheaties, Cheerios, and Kicks in the Betty Crocker cereal tray is designed like a house or store. After the boxes are empty, you cut along the dotted lines, fold, and presto, you've got a model city, complete with barber shops, drug stores, and grocery stores, and houses. Also, cut out autos, fences, garages, and a lot more things, all true to life. Best of all, different houses and stores come on different Betty Crocker cereal trays, so you can keep on adding new buildings. Go to your grocers just as soon as you can and get the Betty Crocker cereal tray. That's the handy cereal package with all three of your breakfast favorites, Wheaties, Cheerios, and Kicks. <laughs>
And now, back to our story. A threefold investigation got underway immediately following Thorndyke's death. Representatives from the police department, the insurance company, and the Daily Sentinel working independently of each other called on everyone who might shed light on the accident. The man at the hot dog stand said, Me, I heard one of the gents say Mr. Thorndyke never could stay awake after a few drinks. Then you looked up and saw the car starting down the hill. Is that it? Yeah, that's it, officer. And the guy, I guess he was the one who owned the car, he said he'd meant to have that emergency brake fixed. I'm the mechanic that serviced Mr. Fletcher's car. Taken care of it for three years. That brake was haywire, it's news to me. Thorndyke says it's the first time she can remember that those three went out together for dinner. She said more than that, by golly. She said Thorndyke never fell asleep from drinking. The more he drank, the lighter he got. Bits of information from a dozen different sources came into the office of the police commissioner and the office of Britt Reed of the Daily Sentinel. And then, one week after the tragedy, the young publisher called Linda Travis into his office and closed the door. Sit down, Miss Travis. Thank you. Mr. Reed, you look rather grim. Commissioner Higgins is morally certain that Thorndyke was murdered. But with the evidence at hand, he could never get a conviction. Well, Mr. Reed, what's the Green Hornet going to do about it? I've been wondering. You created the character to get men like Gramercy and Fletcher who laugh at the law. Linda, I have a plan. I'm going to need both you and Cato. Tell me what you want me to do. Cato and I will pick you up tonight at nine. I'll be waiting, Mr. Reed. Waiting and watching for the car of the Green Hornet. That evening, Britt Reed called his faithful valet Cato to his room. Take this bundle of clothing, Cato. It's for Linda. Oh, yes, Mr. Britt. Uh, this gun, too. Oh, maybe fireworks tonight? I expect there'll be plenty. Let's go. Stepping through a secret panel in the rear of a closet in the bedroom, Britt Reed and Cato went along a narrow passageway built within the walls of the apartment itself. The passage led to an adjoining building which fronted on a dark side street. Though supposedly abandoned, this building served as the hiding place for the sleek, super-powered black beauty, streamlined car of the Green Hornet. Britt Reed pressed a button. The great car roared into life. A section of the wall in front raised automatically, then closed as the gleaming black beauty sped into the darkness. Slide into the back seat, Linda. We're going to call on Gramercy. Right. Well, hello, Cato. Good evening, Miss Travis. Well, these are for you. You can get those dungarees over your slacks. Tuck your hair beneath the cap and put on the coat. I'm to be disguised as a man? Well, Cato has to stay with the car, so you'll have to help me inside Gramercy's house. What's the program? I'm going to warn Gramercy. While I'm with him, you're to slip into the kitchen. We'll hear you. You'll rush out as we come in, but you'll leave the door of the refrigerator open and drop this bottle on the floor. That's all you have to do, Linda. 
Get out of there and run to the car. Leave the rest to me. My patience is nearly at an end. How many more people is the commissioner going to send to question me? What's the idea, Sergeant Burke? Well, it's on account of what you might call loose ends. It wasn't like Thorndike to fall asleep after dinner. Or like the three of it to go out together. So what? What's more, Mr. Gramercy, we got pretty good evidence that Fletcher's emergency brake was in perfect condition. Thorndike might have committed suicide. Huh? Perhaps he made believe he was asleep in the car. And when Fletcher and I stepped out, he may have released the emergency brake himself. Golly, I hadn't thought of that. He was unhappy after the Washington affair. We took him to dinner to try to cheer him up. Think that over. Now get out and tell the chief not to bother me anymore. Come on, expert. Good evening, Mr. Gramercy. We'll tell the chief what you said. Gramercy turned from the door and paused. He had a vague feeling of uneasiness, a feeling that he was not alone. Then the door on his left opened. What the... I've been waiting in your library, Gramercy. That mask. The Green Hornet. I came to warn you. Don't try to give Fletcher a deal like Thorndike got. What do you mean? Partnership insurance is still in force on you and Fletcher. Fletcher's afraid you might have learned how easy it is to collect. He's left a letter to be opened in the event of his sudden death from any cause. Accident or otherwise. So don't kill him, Gramercy. If you do, the truth about Thorndike will come out. See here, how did you get in? The window. Why did you come here? Why are you telling me about Fletcher? Fletcher's not anxious to die. His chances of survival are better if you know how his death would implicate you. I don't believe a word you say. Quiet. I thought you were home alone. I am. At least I was until you came. What's beyond that door? The kitchen, why? Someone is there. You hear that? We'd better have a look. Knowing that Linda was in the kitchen, setting the scene for Gramercy, Britt went ahead of the lawyer to be sure the girl would have a chance to escape. I hear someone. Open the door. There he is. Come back here. Hold it. Gramercy. You shot Stand that killer. I'll shoot you. Didn't know I had a gun, did you? I've got to see how badly he's hurt. Stand still. But Gramercy. I said stand still. Your concern for that intruder is significant. I wonder if you came here together. Together? Perhaps you came to occupy my attention while an accomplice poisoned the food in that refrigerator. Poisoned the food? That's how it looks to me. Just as we came in, the intruder was doing something to that dish of food. That bottle of white powder that spilled might be poison. I understand there was a poisonous white powder used in some of Miss Moffat's food. You warned me about trying to murder Fletcher. I think Fletcher tried to murder me. Perhaps you should leave a letter just as Fletcher did. It let him know he'll be named if something happens to you. That window! Oh, Gramercy! As Gramercy crumpled to the floor, Brett rushed to the window and looked out. But in the darkness, he could see nothing. A glance at the bullet hole between the lawyer's eyes told the masked man that Gramercy was beyond help. Brett hurried to the side of Linda Travis. Linda! Linda! He tensed as he heard someone approaching from the back hall. Looking up, he saw Cato. The girl, she is hurt. We've got to get away from here in a hurry. Take it easy, Linda. You're going to be all right. I'll carry the car. As Britt hurried through the darkness near the Gramercy home, he heard the familiar siren of a police car in the neighborhood. You, you needn't carry me, Mr. Reed. 
I can walk it. I'm all right now. In just a couple of seconds, Linda. Oh, here is Carl. Police are coming. We'll have someone here shot and call him. There you are, Linda. You drive, Cato. Get away from here and keep moving. We'll see about that wound. But I'm all right. We'll make sure of it. In the rear seat of the Black Beauty, Brett Reed opened built-in compartments which held all manner of first aid equipment. Linda slipped off the man's overcoat. Brett cut away the sleeve of her blouse, then bathed the wound with water from a thermos container. Not as bad as I thought. Well, it's really just a scratch. I know a doctor. I'm a trained nurse, Mr. Reed. That scratch doesn't amount to a thing. Please believe me. That ought to be kicked for getting you into this. You might have been killed. Well, I wasn't, so so don't worry about it. I have some antiseptic and bandage here. That's all I need. Uh, Did your plan work out? No, it went completely haywire. I'd hoped we could frighten Gramercy into writing a letter that would tell everything. I even told him Fletcher had prepared that kind of a letter. Perhaps you can try again. You didn't know it, Linda. You were unconscious. Gramercy is dead. Dead? Confound it, Cato. Why didn't you shoot to wound him? Mr. Britt, I did not shoot. You didn't? I thought you fired through the window when you saw Gramercy holding a gun on me. Oh, no, sir. I hear shot. Then as I run toward the house, I see figure at window. He fires, then runs away. It was too dark to identify him. Great Scott, that makes it even worse. The killer saw me there. He'll frame the Green Hornet for that murder. It was two hours after Britt Reed had left Linda at her home. He paced the floor of his apartment, thinking over the evening's disastrous events. Worry will not help, Mr. Britt. Perhaps if you go to bed... Now, just a minute, Cato. Someone's coming. It's either Axford or my father. Harry! Oh, it's Mr. Axford. Oh, golly, Reed. I'm glad you're still up. Things were popping around the cops' headquarters. Yes? I was in Brooks' car. We had just finished talking with Gramercy and getting nowhere... And we were driving around when we got a radio call to go back there. Why? One of the neighbors called headquarters to report a shooting. Who was shot? Gramercy. And he was dead on the kitchen floor. In his desk, we found a letter saying it was to be opened if anything happened to him. A letter? Yeah. And what do you think? It told all about how he and Fletcher schemed the murder of Thorndike. Great Scott. It said to pick up Fletcher if Gramercy was found dead from any cause. Well, did you pick up Fletcher? That's we did. And Reed, he squealed. He told everything. He was afraid that Gramercy would try to get him. He went to Gramercy's house intended to warn him. But he shot him? Deader than a mackerel. In his confession, he says he didn't intend to shoot him until he looked through the window to see if he was alone. He saw Gramercy holding a gun on the green harlot. He hoped to frame the harlot for the murder, but he didn't have a chance. We got to him too quick for him to do any framing. <laughs> well, what do you think of that? Huh? Gramercy did leave a letter. <laughs> Axford, you have news. Did you call the Sentinel? That I did, Reed. That I did, by golly. And I told him that if the Hornet hadn't interfered, a couple of crooked lawyers would have got away with murder. waking up your sleepy appetite tomorrow morning with the Betty Crocker cereal tray. That's the swell new cereal assortment, Wheaties, Cheerios, and Kicks, in ten separate individual packages, all in one handy carton. Every morning you take your choice, Wheaties, Cheerios, or Kicks, 
all top favorites, all in the Betty Crocker cereal tray. And here's something more. Every Betty Crocker cereal tray has a valuable silverware coupon right on the outside of the carton. By saving these coupons, you can get a set of lovely Oneida Community Silverware in an amazingly short time and at unbelievably low cost. Start saving those valuable coupons now. Get the Betty Crocker cereal tray. You've been listening to The Green Hornet, brought to you by the Betty Crocker cereal tray, the cereal assortment of individual packages of Wheaties, Cheerios, and Kicks. Man, oh man, what a basketball player. He's made ten baskets and three free throws in this one game alone. He's feeling his Cheerios. Yes, Cheerios, that energizing breakfast cereal made from oats. Good, old-fashioned, nourishing oats, all ready to eat. What a picture at breakfast time. A brim and bowl of Cheerios topped with fruit and served with plenty of good, rich milk or cream. It's terrific. And what a cereal for nourishment. Cheerios really helps to build up strength and endurance. Try Cheerios. Be with us again next week at the same time when General Mills will again present The Green Hornet. This copyrighted feature originates in Detroit and all characters, places, and incidents used are fictitious. Hal Neal speaking. Tune in tomorrow night at the same time over many of these stations for another thrill-packed adventure of the early West with the Lone Ranger. This is ABC, the American Broadcasting Company.